Geek Bill Radio. Suit up for the biggest crossover ever. You've got your backs. Crisis on Infinite Earths. The CW's crossover event begins Sunday, December 8th. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, Geeks and Geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville. And coming at you with another episode of Geekville Radio. This is a special edition because we've been meaning to do this show for a while. As we hinted with that little bumper there from the CW, we're going to be talking Crisis on Infinite Earths. I like to call this the crash course in the crisis because while we're going to talk Mainly the original series, we are going to delve into the Arrowverse. And once again, I don't have to do it alone. Joining me, my usual co-host, when I've saw Padded Cell in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is, I guess, what, December 1st, December 2nd as we record this? It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I hope all of our listeners in the United States had a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Ate too much turkey and ham and whatnot and had a good time with their family and loved ones. And for those listeners outside the United States, it's what we do this time of year. I hope y'all had a safe weekend as well. So uh, we're going to do this kind of like we did with Captain Marvel uh, before that movie came out. One of those things where we kind of, they're going to give people a, a, a primer, I guess, or primer, or however you want to pronounce it, depending on whether you're American, Canadian, or British, I guess. So right. uh, let, <laughs> let's get to it, man. I mean, I, I think this is pretty interesting stuff. I figured there are... Several fans who watch the Arrowverse shows who might not have read comics regularly. And this is the type uh, of show we do for people like that. Like, if you're wondering what the heck this crisis is, we're going to dive into the comic series that ran in 1985. And that said, while we will mainly be talking the comic itself... Uh, there is going to be a lot of this plot that is going to be used. I mean, it, you know, it kind of goes without saying. So without further ado, I'm going to wave the spoiler tag. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts get breached. Spoiler alerts get breached. Because if a lot of this plot's going to be the same as the TV show, then a lot of what we saw in the comics is probably going to happen on TV. So if you're deathly afraid of spoilers, come back and listen when that series is over. I believe it's going to conclude in January. So in order to explain why Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, why it was made, I think we have to take a little bit of time to discuss the real life reasons that built up to it. Now, as I like to say, uh, I, I, my personal opinion, I think in the 1960s, Stan Lee kind of spoiled people, for lack of a better term, because he did things that were coherent. He kept things coherent, like what happened on one title, uh, like a Fantastic Four episode, wouldn't go against something that happened in a, a Hulk issue. Because for the right. longest time uh, in the, the comic industry in the mid-20th century, they just churned out comics. The the best example for me is Superman himself. I mean, Superman debuted, obviously, in Action Comics, number one. Shortly after that, had two ongoing series, a daily strip, uh, TV shows, radio shows, animated stories. And then they had Superboy, who was also Clark Kent, but somehow... Wasn't? Right. You know, something <laughs> to that effect, you know, like... They didn't, they didn't like, 
there was no time. There was no like flashback. You would think that you would write Superboy as something that happened, you know, 20 years prior, but they didn't. Yeah, they right. wrote them as they were happening concurrently. And that was confusing, I think, to some people. But you also have to remember how the, for those that don't know, how they marketed comics back then. They didn't have the foresight like Stan Lee did, like you just said, to understand that there were going to be older readers of this material who were going to read it episodically and tie it all together in their minds. Mm -hmm. Right. They saw it as just young kid. It was just frivolous entertainment for young kids and kids don't think at that level. I think it was kind of their, their mindset. And I don't know when it happened, but some, at some point leading up to uh, the discussion by the, those behind the scenes to create something like crisis. I'm sure a lot of this was probably from letters from readers mm -hmm. and from the early days of conventions where these comic book writers and editors for the first time interacted and met with, uh, the, the average passionate comic book fan, they realized, oh, wait a second, these are adults and, and teenagers, college kids, and they're reading these things in much the same way you watch a television show, especially, you know, the, the, the stories, as we used to call them, you know, soap operas, afternoon. Mm -hmm. You're reading them episodically, and so we're having issues because they're coming at us with questions about continuity and how did this happen here and it didn't affect this. And I, and I think, I, I can't verify that, but I, I, I have heard many, you know, old timers in the comic book business from the creative end say as much. So I don't think it's it's hard to 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 make a, a leap of faith to say that's what's going on. You know, right. That, that right. You've got and it's probably going on if you're talking 85 when when this came out in comic book form. We're looking at probably what at least 20 years, these conventions and, and you know, the idea of the fan letter getting to these people where they're, where they're probably been hearing this off and on for at least 20 years. What you say? Yeah. By the time the 60s came about, like I said, we had Superboy with with his own title. Lois Lane had her own title. Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy had, Olsen. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And Superman was appearing in all those, so that adds up to a whole lot of Superman everywhere. Right, right. Yeah, like I said, there was, what, three three or four Batman titles. And in, and in 1961, you had already kind of established a possibility for something like this with the flashes of two Earth storylines. Exactly. Which, so, you know. Right, right, because that's how they first started uh, explaining it, because the kids, I think, I can't prove this, of course, but I think the kids who read comics in the 30s and 40s became adults and started creating their own comic book material. So new generation of creators, new generation of ideas and characters. This is why we got the Barry Allen Flash instead of Jay right. Garrick, why Green Lantern was Hal Jordan, not Alan Scott, and so forth. Yeah, and then there, and there's also the, the, the contributing factor, and we've talked about this before, but it, it bears mentioning and repeating that, you know, that what we're talking about in the 30s and 40s is called the, the golden age of comics. There was a major shift, and we bring it up all the time when we talk comic books in the 50s because of the comics code and the Keith Offer investigation at the congressional level. It changed everything. And so you have what is then called the Silver Age of Comics. And there was a, a you know, concerted effort by the creators to move away from some of the darker stuff that you would see in like Batman. Even, even Superman get a little dark at times back then, you know? And definitely the horror, you know, romance, true crime comics, which would be more of the, you know, the EC, you know, Tales of the Crypt. But it still was very important to the comic book at the time. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a shift away. And the way they did that sometimes was simply by just creating new versions of the same heroes you knew. Right. And I think everybody who's a, a big comic book knows that there was definitely a move towards uh, more sci-fi based storylines in that era. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah, definitely. 
Now, you said it, you know, Flash number 123 in, in 1961, I believe it was, that's where they first started trying to explain this, that there were two Earths. The then current Earth was referred to as Earth One, and then the Golden Age, the the kind of previous generation was on Earth Two. So they were their own separate entities. And so over the next couple decades, the concept of a multiverse grew, each new Earth having its own lineup of heroes, villains, and characteristics. And this is probably going to sound familiar now to those of you who mm-hmm. have been watching the Arrowverse, because they've clearly established all, all those different Earths in the multiverse. So you flash forward, uh, no pun intended, of course, to the 1980s. And veteran writer Marv Wolfman, who, I mean, he was writing Dracula. He he did a lot of stuff over the years with, with various heroes, yeah. I believe Marv Wolfman created the character of Blade for Marvel. Memory shows I think that yeah. is right. I mean, well, when your name's Wolfman or Wolfman, you, you know, <laughs> I think you're kind of naturally cut out to write horror, so, you know. Right, and he, and I don't, I, he might have created, I should know this because he's my favorite character. I believe he created... Ghost Rider, but if he didn't, he was definitely heavily involved in the early days of Ghost Rider, you know, the Johnny Blaze version. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was working for DC and Marvel, you know. Right. So, uh, right. Anyway, he convinced uh, DC, I, I believe this was still, I think, when people like uh, Jeanette Kahn and, and such were, were running the company, but he convinced DC to, you know, reorganize uh, and streamline the continuity to make it easier for readers to keep up. And uh, a legendary artist by the name of George Perez did the artwork on it. So, really, when you get when you think about it, something like this nowadays would just be called a reboot or or a restart or reimagination or, or whatever, and fans probably wouldn't even blink. In fact, many of them probably roll their eyes. It was like, wait, another reboot? You know, right, right. But at this time, it was almost unheard of to essentially reboot an entire comic universe continuity. Right. I mean, it was it never been done and. For good or bad, this kind of set the tone, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that is the real-life reason and the real-life history. So uh, the next up here, we'll talk the main characters here. Actually, let me get my transition noise in here. Let me All right. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you can't beat the old super friends, can you? <laughs> well, it's fitting, so. <laughs> so the major players of... Crisis Infinite Earths. Actually, a lot of them were characters created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez because they had been planning this for a few years, like probably 82 or 83. And Monitor had actually kind of made his presence known in a lot of the titles as kind of a buildup, which really Monitor's been doing on TV. Uh, he's been on right. several of the, the Arrow shows. so Total parallel there. Yeah, definitely. So Mo- I guess we'll start with Monitor because he's kind of the main reason a lot of this goes on he is the driving force right right he's a cosmic being who as the name implies monitors uh, all the worlds in the multiverse he's kind of like the watcher i think uh, in a way to dc you know he's like he's like dc's watcher he can he can travel between these worlds seemingly at will i don't think he ever truly showed the extent of his powers but he's basically this godlike celestial character and he is going to be in the Arrowverse, portrayed by actor LaMonica Garrett, who I think does a fantastic job in, uh, in the role, does. quite frankly. Yeah, he, he does. I, I think you're right. I think neither in the show nor in the comics have they fully explained the extent of his powers. But I think it's safe to say he is legitimately one of probably the three or four most powerful creatures in all of DC and all, all the multiverse. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. God, Godlike is, I think, definitely a, 
right. an accurate description. Not, not sure if he could ever be killed. Quite frankly, you might you might fight him to a draw. You might he might go away. But can you truly ever completely destroy him? I don't think so. Right, just my opinion. You know. Now the main villain of Crisis is aptly named Anti Monitor, who is everything the Monitor is not. His name implies he's made a negative matter. He can destroy entire worlds because he, you know, when matter touches antimatter, they both get destroyed. And really, in the beginning of the story, he's not in a physical form. He's kind of more in, I don't know if corporeal's the, the word, but he uses his shadow demons to do his bidding. Right. So we're probably going to see those. And they have outright said that for the humanized form of Antimonitor, it's also going to be Lamonica Garrett playing that character, although he's going to have a lot of makeup done to make him look more like the comic. Right, right. Another name here, if you follow the Arrowverse and don't read the comics, you're not going to recognize this character's name, but you're definitely going to know her identity because she's been around forever, and that's Harbinger. If you don't know who Harbinger is, well, you're still going to know her identity because in the comics, Harbinger's real name is Lila Michaels. She is essentially the herald to the Monitor, and she's able to create clones of herself, travel between Earths and all that. So it's pretty clear they're taking a variation on that with the Lila from the TV show. Although this Lila, I don't know if she'll have those powers per se, but she's definitely going to be hopping between worlds, I think. And once again, we were talking about how this, the Arrowverse has been really planting these seeds for a long time. I personally think that the showrunners wanted to do this storyline. They just weren't ever sure if it was ever going to come to fruition. Because, I mean, you just don't know when you start a new TV show if it's going to be a success and you're going to get the okay from, from you know, the money folks. Mm-hmm. Once it started going that way, we knew it was coming. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that the whole reason they named the character Lila Lila was with that intention in mind way back when, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, like I said, Barry Allen's fate has literally been hinted at since the very first episode of Flash. They did that Flash disappears in crisis. I remember seeing that. My jaw dropped open because I'm like, you know, something out of like Tom and Jerry or The Mask, you know, where the jaw hits the floor. And right. I'm like, are they really going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths in a TV show? Because, you know, Endgame hadn't even happened yet. You know, this is right no. around the time they did uh, the first Avengers movie. So, right. you know, it, it's a, to be able to pull something like that off, I, I'm like, that is very ballsy. That is very uh, aggressive, you might say. So, And let's be honest, uh, the success of the MCU and the Avenger movies probably did not hurt this happening. Mm-hmm. You know, convincing the, the money people, once again, mm-hmm. you know, hey, let's do this. You know, so I... I Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at mm-hmm. it, uh, uh, Hollywood to uh, copy what, what, what's successful, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's probably going to be like that you know, for, for the rest of time since it's been like that since the beginning of time, really. Yeah. As long as we're alive, probably. Sure. Right. Next up on the list is a character named Pariah, who is an alien scientist, and he was doing experiments to research the creation of the universe and he inadvertently brings about the anti-monitor because of it this is making a really long story short here but uh, (laughs) yeah you're i can tell where you're going you're not going to go for the full the full money here but (laughs) yeah i mean like the first episode will start airing about by the time we wrapped up i guess but (laughs) but anyway uh as a result he is forced to watch all these thousands of worlds die by the anti-monitor's hands because of his 
inadvertent meddling. And they've already outright stated that in the TV show, Pariah will be another variation of Harrison Wells played by Tom Cavanaugh. So I'm sure he's going to knock that out of the park. Haven't we done that trick with Eobar Thawne in first season already? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And really, they're probably going to establish that Lila's going through different worlds as the same character. That may explain why we have all these different takes on Wells, that maybe he has a gimmick similar to what Harbinger does. You know, I don't know. It's possible. Possible. I can see that. Now, in the comics, everybody has heard of Superman, Earth One Superman. He is one of the major players. Not much we can say about Superman that isn't already commonly known. So Earth-1 Superman in the comics is also frequently referred to as pre-crisis Superman. And right. my hunch is this is going to be Tyler Hoechlin. This is going to be the established Superman in the Arrowverse. Right. That, that's just my hunch. I mean, I know we're getting Tom Welling again. Haven't they already said the Arrowverse essentially takes place on Earth-1? Yes. Yeah. Mo- most of the Arrowverse, uh, Barry and Ali and all them. So Flash and Arrow are, are, are on Earth-1. Yeah. Of course, and we know we know Kara's from Earth, but they've never right. said which Earth she's on. Yeah, it's like of. it's like thirty something. I, I think it's like right. you know, right. Earth One Superman is the main Superman that people think of, and then there was the Earth Two Superman, the Golden Age Superman, and this is where I think Brandon Routh's coming into play because, as Ardent fans know, Brandon Routh's Superman movie was a direct sequel to Christopher Reeve's Superman movie. So he was the Christopher Reeve Superman. So I think they are essentially saying that the Christopher Reeve Superman is now the Kingdom Come Superman, and he'll be playing the the part of the Golden Age soups. I mean, I I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Right. And for those that don't know, um, around the time we need to bring this up so they'll understand what we're saying when we say Kingdom Come, we've talked about Kingdom Come before here on the podcast, but uh, not long after the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the, the editorial people involved at DC were still being approached by creators, writers, artists, whatever, wanting to do stories. And they're like, we just went through this huge, you know, crossover. Of, they call it a maxi, mm-hmm. uh, where we cleaned up all this continuity and you're already wanting to turn around and mess it up. <laughs> and so, but then they would read the stories and realize, wait a second, these are really good stories, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they realized they would sell. So they said, just make them and we'll call them Elseworlds. Exactly. And, and, and that is where things like Dark Knight Returns came from out of right. that. Mm-hmm. You know, Frank Miller comes in with this great story and they're going, okay, this is going to screw up our continuity again. So we just won't even put it in the main continent. We'll just say it's a standalone, non-canon story. Exactly. And then yeah. they, they had things like I've talked before about Alan Moore wanted to do stuff with the Carlton characters that had recently mm-hmm. been bought by DC. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. So he created Watchmen. And they were just pastiches of these Carlton characters, like the question and things of that nature. And they're like, oh, okay, so this is good. We'll just make this another Elseworlds, you know. Exactly, yeah. And so that's what they came out of. Kingdom Come was one that done by Alex Ross and Mark Wade. They came out of this. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a series that, that made me a Mark Wade fan, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. For pure standalone storylines and comics, Kingdom Come is probably my favorite. But I like—I mean, I love Death in the Family. I love the the Sinister Six, the original Sinister Six storyline, and 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 Spider Man. Kingdom Come is my favorite storyline. It's a great storyline. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Mm-hmm. We'll get to this later. Eventually, what happened was all these titles became so popular with Crisis on Infinite Earth, and they're—they've—you know—they're presenting this this concept of a multiverse where these events happened. In these standalone stories that were non-canon, 
there was an editorial decision to go, just make them another Earth within the multiverse. Right. And so that's kind of a cool thing about DC is if you're a fan of this particular non-canon story, you find out it actually does really exist in canon. It's just on a parallel. That is where Earth X comes from, from the crossover. Mm-hmm. Was it two years ago? Yeah. Crisis on, on Earth X. That really happened, too. Mm-hmm. And the Earth X is Earth, Earth. What they do is they take they'll take the name Earth, a, a hyphen and then a number. OK. And that is how they're listed, uh, you know, for readers, but also at the editorial level where they're like, OK, did this event happen on which Earth? You know, that, that's their, their way of designating and delineating the, the different multiverse Earths from each other. Uh, so Kingdom Come has its own Earth and 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 Watchmen has its own Earth and Dark Knight Returns has its own Earth. There's a there's the uh, the. The Crimson Mist one, which is a, a, a an Earth where Batman becomes a vampire and kills all the other superheroes and villains as a vampire. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different Earths. Kingdom Come is one of those. We're already kind of seeing it in the build up to this this the Flareverse take. And you agree with that, correct? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that that's essentially going to be the Christopher Reeve Superman. And uh, and, I, and, I, and you know that would make sense because I do believe uh, in the current continuity. The Christian Bale Batman is actually its own Earth, and and the Arrow, the Arrowverse mm-hmm. in the comic books is its own Earth. It's like so the things you're watching on screen in the overall DC world of DC that is that is its own parallel. Right, right. Because there was another reset after I think it was Flashpoint, and they did the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. and then Rebirth, and all all that good stuff. Right, the Infinite Crisis. There's been multiple. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get talk about that later. I just wanted to explain that so people understand what they understand. Why are you saying this? That's that's what we're talking about. Is, is mm-hmm. that because this is a concept of a multiverse? There's multiple Earths. <laughs> right, and right. Even though you're here, it's a standalone story. They just shrugged their shoulders and said, "No, it's a standalone story only oh, on Earth One." Realistically. These are all happening concurrently, They're just happening on different Earths. Right, right. Next on the list, I'm assuming this character is going to be on TV as well, but a big character in Crisis in the Comics is Alexander Luther Jr. from Earth 3. Now, that's not to be confused with the more famous namesake. This hero is from Earth 3, where everything was kind of flipped. And this uh-huh. is a good guy. You know, this is a Lex Luthor who's a hero. And he's actually one of the few characters that survives the story with the memories intact. There's only like three or four other people that actually knew what happened. And this Lex Luthor is one of them. So my hunch, given the teasers that we've seen a few images at a a time where John Cryer's clearly standing with the Arrowverse heroes, I think that's who John Cryer is going to be playing. He's going to be playing a good guy version of Lex uh, just, just for this, this show. Right. So you're thinking split screen, dual roles. For him. Right, right, yeah. He'll probably be an evil and a good Lex Luthor at at some point. And once again, back to Crisis on Earth X, we've already seen this done by the by the showrunners in this run of these shows. Right, where you had you know you had good good Ollie, bad Ollie. Right. We can't talk Crisis without mentioning Flash. Much like his TV counterpart Barry Allen is one of the major characters. And since he was the character that essentially was the first to discover other Earths in the, in the first place, I thought, I thought it was fitting. And uh, like, like we said, he's, he, he's been the first person that this has been hinted for since the beginning. In the comics, we also have the Earth-1 Lex Luthor. It wouldn't be a major DC Comics event without Lex Luthor getting involved. And there is another character we saw a little bit of during Elseworlds, and that's Psycho Pirate. He has the ability to control emotions. And that's why he was recruited, because he was going to try to 
at least in theory, keep the morale high with the character's emotions. But of course, he's a villain. He he does a double cross. and I knew they had been planting the seeds. You and me have talked about this off mic for years with, like we said, the Lila character being named that and the whole allusion to Barry. Last year, when we got the big reveal at the end of the, you know, the backdoor pilot for Batwoman and the crossover with her, and the psycho pirate in Arkham puts the mask back on. I said, yeah, they're going to crisis. I knew right mm-hmm. then. Right. I don't want psycho pirate fans to get mad, but you're not bringing in a C-list, very unknown uh, villain like that, uh, but is majorly important to this 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 major storyline if you're not going there. Right. Still, you're not going to do it, you know? Right, absolutely. Psycho pirate's just too out there for them not to go there. Mm-hmm. Two more characters. Uh, we know one has been cast. Uh, there's another one we don't know yet, but the Spectre plays a major role. And I think a lot of uh, people who may not read comics may not know exactly how powerful the Spectre is. I mean, he's one of those cosmic level characters, and he's really one of the few that is able to stand up to Anti-Monitor. So he's going to be crucial. We know Stephen Lobo has been cast to play the character, and... The last character worth mentioning, I think, at least as far as the primer goes, no pun intended, is Superboy Prime. Yeah, I don't think he was called Superboy Prime until later. later. Right. But there was a Superboy that came from the real life Earth, so to speak. And right. that's what Earth Prime was in the multiverse. Yeah. And, so for continuity's you know, sake, for those that don't understand, Earth Prime is the Earth we are on right now. It's the right. real world, in other words. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, and they've even done Marvel's done it as well, but DC has done it where because Marvel also has a multiverse, uh, which I think we're going to get into in the next Doctor Strange movie. But we're talking DC, not Marvel. Uh, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, I mean the title itself gives that away, but there have been those on the creative end of comics that have drawn and written themselves in as characters when they're on Earth Prime. You know, just right. as a kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod. An interesting thing that is brought up. Uh, during the events of Crisis, speaking of that, Crisis on Infinite Earths, in the comics at least, that they're not going to bring it up in the Arrowverse, but I think people will be interested. Uh, the Marvel Universe exists. It is, an, it is, it is its own Earth mm-hmm. within, the, within the DC multiverse. As a matter of fact, in the comic books, we see Anti-Monitor destroy that universe. Where it's a little bit different in the, in the Marvel multiverse, DC exists, but it exists as a real-life comic book company. And that the characters that we're talking about, Superman, Batman, all these other characters, they exist purely as comic book characters in their and, and their continuity. I just think that's a funny take by both companies on both, you know? Kind of like how in Big Bang Theory, uh, Sheldon wears Flash shirts a lot. And then in episodes of The Flash, uh, Cisco wears Big Bang Theory shirts, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. If you, were, if you remember in the, uh, I think it was Deadpool 1, not Deadpool 2, De- Deadpool even makes a comment about Batman and Robin kind of reinforcing that fact that in the Marvel universe, DC is just a comic book's company, you know? Right. These, right. Uh, these, th- there is no parallel universe, which is why when, kind of getting off topic here, but when Amalgam comic came around about 10 years after Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. uh, it was a joint effort between DC and Marvel to combine all their most popular characters in a similar storyline. It was able to happen simply because in the DC universe, the Marvel universe really exists. Right, right. It's his, and, his own parallel Earth. <laughs> and, and the reason why they did that, uh, very, very quick, and then we'll get back to uh, Crisis. They did that to explain why the X Men didn't run in to help the Justice League during some big planet-threatening right. crisis. You know, exactly. But anyways, uh, just some interesting, interesting information for our for our listeners. I thought. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into the plot of Crisis, and then we'll wind up with the predictions as far as where we think 
they're going to go with the Arrowverse characters. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Frag. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and, of course, the gripe of me. That's all at YouJustGotFrag.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. All right, we're back. We're talking the plot of Crisis on Infinite Earths. So now, one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show with the trains, you know, the DC universe a little better than I do. I mean, I'm I'm right. no slouch, but I kind of grew up a, more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy, and it was kind of uh, the opposite uh, for you, right? I, I get it. I'm, I'm the DC guy. Well, I mean, my thing was I started out with Marvel. Uh, I mean, I've said before my my entry into comic books was Spider Man, and not long after that, it became Ghost Rider. Uh, it was probably the, my high school years as I became, as I was, became a young adult that I got into DC. Cause it, you're talking late eighties and you can speak to, and that's a, that's a topic for a whole other episode. The, the, the similarities and differences between Marvel and DC in that era in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And you can definitely see what I'm saying that DC was a little bit more geared for the high school college age crowd than Marvel was at that point. Right, right. So. As we said, uh, the Monitor and NA Monitor, these are basically beings who have existed uh, since the dawn of time, which means that the first few billions of years of their existence must have been pretty boring, but right. uh, just, just one man's opinion. As the name implies, NA Monitor is made of antimatter, which destroys regular matter. His goal is to destroy all the Earths, and the Monitor seeks to stop him from doing that, and that's where Monitor and Harbinger come into play. Now, as the story progressed... They recruited heroes and villains. The villains turned on each other because, well, they're bad guys. Uh, (laughs) Harbinger gets possessed by one of Antimonitor's shadow demons, and she is actually able to kill the Monitor. And that is what allows the Antimonitor to assume form. It also causes the few remaining Earths to kind of be put into a limbo universe. It was like with Monitor's death, he was able to do that. Again, going back to the godlike powers that, that he has. Mm-hmm. Yep. So over the next several issues, Anti-Monitor clashes with multitudes of the DC's heroes and villains. Kara, a.k.a. Supergirl, is killed in one of these battles. And Barry Allen sacrifices himself to thwart the destruction that would have happened had Anti-Monitor been able to break into this limbo universe. So, Anti-Monitor, realizing he now cannot destroy these remaining Earths, he's just going to go back in time and prevent the creation of the multiverse. And that's really where Spectre steps in. There's a big climactic battle at the beginning of time. The Big Bang happens. Anti-Monitor's defeated. But now, after this Big Bang, instead of a multiverse being created, it's one universe. And that became the DC Universe for the next 20 years. Superman, the Earth-2 Superman, uh... Superboy Prime and the Earth 3. Alexander. Yeah, Alexander Luther. They're really the only people that actually made it through with their memories intact. So they realize, hey, we cannot dwell on this Earth. You know, this would be too dangerous for us to be here. So they kind of go off to their own little pocket dimension. And And I believe it it was Alexander Luthor and Spectre that created it. If I remember right. It's been a while since I've read. Yeah, yeah. I think 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 I'd be right because – uh, Alexander created the ability to jump between the Limbo universe and uh, right. uh, the regular ones. So, for those that watch uh, the, you know, watch the old TV show or movie Stargate, kind of think Stargate, yeah, kind of yeah. think the portals that Reed Richard created for the uh, Negative Zone. You know, exactly. Yeah, 
good comparison. So they believed they were going to live the rest of their days in their little pocket universe. They lived there for about 20 years when Infinite Crisis happened, but that's a crisis crossover for another time. But, right. <laughs> you know, for a, a very concise Cliff Notes version of Crisis Infinite Earths, I mean, I think that's pretty much the summary of it, right? Yeah, you've got it all. And so if you look at what Seth just said, it accomplished exactly what the editorial demands were. Where we want to we want to streamline all of this continuity so that you've you've got well at that point we're talking about almost fifty years of convoluted multiple writers mm-hmm. where this happened in Batman but it didn't affect what happened in Superman which didn't affect what happened in Green Lantern just makes no sense just eliminate all of it put everything together and uh, the unfortunately the drawback to that I think was um, like you said twenty years later they did another. I think like with any form of entertainment that has a, a pretty devout um, fan base, there were those who were young reading this new unified one one entity, one universe DC, who were like, hmm, I wonder where these characters came from. So they started reading old back issues, and then they got the convoluted backstory. And they're like, wait a second, I like this Jay Garrett Flash. Why are we not getting more Jay Garrett Flash? Mm-hmm. Not understanding that, Oh, crap. And, and I think that's why we had the infinite crisis and more and more, like I said, then you also had the success of the things like Batman, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen. And they're like, you know, we did all this work. It really doesn't matter because they still want the old stuff, too. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's understandable. And really, everything comes back in comics. You know, now we, we've said it before. Nobody stays dead. Well, usually right. there's something that is brought about again to bring a character back to their roots or uh, bring old powers back that hadn't manifested themselves in a, for a while. Right. Like, you know, Spider-Man, I think, is a good example. You know, he had the, the blue and red outfit. Then after Secret Wars, he had the symbiote costume. And then right. around uh, the late 80s or, or so, he went back to his original costume when the symbiote uh, left and formed uh, Venom. Right, and, and how'd that work out for Marvel? Pretty good. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> they created one of their most popular anti-hero slash villains ever. Yeah, it, it can work. And I think, um, to use an analogy, uh, we do this all the time because it's one of our passions is wrestling. If you're a current wrestling fan, you know that the NWA is trying to revive itself as a, as a promotion and an entity under the, under, the aus- under the watch of Billy Corgan. Yeah, that Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And in an attempt to do that, they've created their own web series as opposed to the other big promotions having regular TV shows, they're presenting their television product on YouTube. And they've recreated the look of their set and uh, their announcers and things like that to look like the popular wrestling of the 80s. And mm-hmm. it's really appealing. Yet their fan base wasn't even alive when this happened. You know, right. I was right. alive. Seth was alive. That's the wrestling we grew up. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I that, that, to me, that's just an example. That's just the way it is. That's mm-hmm. just anytime any passionate fan base into something, they want to go back and see where their idols and their stars were inspired by. And so if you do something to try to clean that up, never really going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know, like I just said, I talked about DC. I got into D- when I, after Crisis on Infinite Earth, I got into DC in like 87, 88. So this is like three years afterwards. Yeah. All I knew of Batman was Adam West and the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. And, my my love of the current Batman stories that were post-crisis inspired me to go read the stuff, and I became a love 
with the 70s. Silver, Bronze Age? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. The, the Denny O'Neill run on the story. Okay. On, yeah. on the title. You know, so we're talking like 75 to like 82, 83, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, that's about the time he had that great run with uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Yeah, that was, that was the next title he did after the Green Arrow Green Lantern was Batman. So I fell in love with that Batman, but it didn't make any sense to the stuff that was current because it was pre-crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm just one fan. So you can imagine, you know, multiply that out and this kind of yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Or or if you're somebody who maybe was out of comics for a while and they start reading after Chrysler and they're like, wait, Superman needs a space suit to go into space? When did this happen? And it's like, uh, crisis. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, think about the really, really older fans. I mean, they saw this without a crossover in the Silver Age. Wait a second. I thought Green Lantern was Alan Scott and he wore a red suit with a green cape and the... Who's this space p- policeman named Hal Jordan? They had no idea that was. Right, right. And then you fast forward to the Bronze Age. If you grew up, they see, you know, Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner and John Stewart and go, where's Hal Jordan? Oh, exactly. that's right. You missed the, you missed the parallax storyline. He's a, he, he became a bad guy, but found redemption. What? <laughs> Actually became Spectre for a while, too. You know? Yes, he sure did. I mean, so it's, it, it's just one of those things that if you're a comic book reader, you have to just accept it, you know? Right, right. Now, one other thing, because we're, we're really getting into predictions here. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll close out on this. Uh, as far as characters, one that I have to mention, because they've hinted at it so much, is John Diggle. Because, yes. you know, they, they've hinted him being a future Green Lantern or Green Lantern in another Earth. Because I think it was even the 1990 Flash, the John Wesley Ships Flash, that said, wait, wait, John, where's your ring? Because And it, uh, it, it smacked me in the face uh, after I put two and two together when they brought in uh, Ernie Hudson to play John Diggle's father. Uh, it yep. certainly was no accident that his stepfather's last name was Stewart. No, so that's, that's know, like the whole Lila thing. I think that's planting the seeds by the showrunners in case they ever get to do this. You know, so I think we will outright get John Diggle effectively becoming the John Stewart Green Lantern at least for some point in this story, even if it's only for the battle in the you know the third act. I, I wouldn't even be shocked personally. If they just make that the part of the send off of, of, of the, because we know, we know Arrow is, is, you know, a couple episodes after this is going to come to an end as an entire show. It's going to have the series finale. I, I, I could see them ending with Jon Stewart becoming the, you know, the Green Lantern for Sector, was it 2036, I think, is, or 2064 is the, the Earth Sector. So I have, I, it makes sense. And, and, I, and I get it. If you're a hardcore comic fan, you're going to say, what about Alan Scott? What about Hal Jordan? Well, that won't be the first time in the, in the Flareoverse where, They've skipped some stuff. It, it's mm-hmm. just condensed. It's just condensed for for ease of telling the story. You know, for me, just uh, give me a quick cameo of Sean Bean as Alan Scott, and I, I'll be on cloud nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and also, I think it's important to realize the fanboy amigo squee because now Oliver can get really confusing when you're talking multiverses, but we won't mm, get into that. Oh yeah. But suffice it to say, you know, there's that history between Oliver Queen and how Jordan Green Lantern. So there is a Green Lantern, Green Green Arrow, we've talked about it before. It has a history. So it makes sense to have the Green Arrow show in with a Green Lantern on it as well. Just in my opinion. Speaking of Ollie, I mean, Monitor has outright told Ollie that he is going to die. And Ollie seems to have accepted this fate. But, I mean, this is Ollie. And one can't help but think that he's got a trick up his sleeve. That he's literally not telling anybody right. except maybe Felicity. 
you know. And that's a big uh, if. <laughs> right, right. And I, I, I actually liked the prediction because it blew my mind when I heard it that Ollie will become the Spectre, at least as far as the, you know, the final act goes. Uh, I, I could see that happening. I believe in the comics he, like, escaped worlds or something like that. He was one of the few that, like, jumped into the New Earth and, right. uh, you know, from from Earth 2 or Earth 1. So, uh, you know. And you've brought up the Spectre a couple times. You even mentioned, like, how Jordan for a while in the comics was Spectre. Uh, you mentioned his powers. The best way to describe the Spectre is I, I would call him almost, I don't want to say avenging angel, but that's as close as I can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely a judge. He's somewhere in between Uatu the Watcher from the Marvel Universe and what we would think of maybe like the Archangel Gabriel Michael in Christian mythology. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think maybe to an extent uh, there can be a Ghost Rider comparison because he yes. he is also more vengeance than anything. But I've heard with, him described as, as the right hand of the gods. Of- right. I right. think that's a good description, don't you? Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I just, I still remember the joke. I'll be very brief, but it was uh, one of the Slugfests of Doom that we did years ago where it was Ghost Rider versus Ash from Evil Dead. Ghost Rider tries to use the penistare on Ash and then finds out the worst thing Ash did in his life was uh, drinking straight out of the slurping machine when the boss wasn't looking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, that, that's about right. It's, I think the spec, once again, Kingdom Come, because it is my favorite story. The Spectre plays a very important role in Kingdom Come. And mm-hmm. um, they haven't brought him in yet to the MCU, but they've alluded to it. We've talked about it, how Adam Warlock's going to now be in the MCU. And we were shocked they didn't use him in the Infinity War storyline in those movies. Yeah. Hello, Thanos' brother. You know, <laughs> Right, right. I mean, because it's very important. Spectre's that important. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, with with Ali, we do have to talk about Felicity. I think Felicity also has this plan because one of the last things we saw in the previous season of Arrow was her leaving to go with the monitor. And this was 20 years in the future. This is after she got rescued by by her kids. So she knows something is going on. And for her just to walk off and accept death doesn't really sound like Felicity. So I think... She knows Ali is up to something. She had to stay behind for 20 years. And now that that's been accomplished, she's probably going to be the equivalent of going off to that pocket universe to be with Ali or something to that effect. That's that's what sure. I think is going to happen. You don't think it's possible they create this possible in today's sociopolitical climate. They create two specters, a male and a female version. And they do I, that. Yeah. Or maybe if we do have the, the Jim Corrigan specter, uh, Ali replaces him. Or, you know, maybe the actor Stephen Lobo will be playing him. He's just playing a different Spectre or something to that effect. You know, they could always go that which, route. Which is intriguing to me when I when I heard they were casting him. is like, Spectre's a big time important. And Jim Corgan has a very interesting backstory in the comics. Uh, he was a detective for Gotham City. No, not a shocker. A DC character that worked for the Gotham Police Department. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? But um, but I don't think they're going to go that and give much of a backstory on him in the show. Because it is for lack of time, for no other reason, you know. Uh, but the Spectre, f- for my money, the Spectre is one of those characters I think could make a very, very good uh, like Netflix-type series, don't you? Definitely. He can be very dark because of that vengeance you spoke about. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as far as stories, you could tell a street-level story with him dealing with a street-level thug or crook or something like that. But you mm-hmm. could also tell a cosmic story that mm-hmm. would still make sense because of how the character works. 
I think it gives you any idea. John Constantine and uh, and, and and Spectre don't get along, but that probably doesn't shock anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if, so. you know, if, you know, if you know the character of Constantine, it shouldn't surprise you. <laughs> right. Right. Now, we mentioned it before, uh, Barry Allen. Uh, he has been told outright that he's going to die. Barry's about as lawful good as they come, so he seems to have accepted his fate. Uh, now, in the comics, when Barry died, he did not come back until I think it was Infinite Crisis. And it was explained then that it was the Speed Force. He was essentially right. in the Speed Force for now. They've already done that gimmick on the show. So to do that again might be a little, uh, how, you know, underwhelming or anticlimactic. <laughs> anticlimactic, I would say. Would right, right. But I mean, I think we're going to get to – I personally think Barry is going to, quote, die, unquote, as the cliffhanger to the end of the uh, the December, you know, as they go into the holiday break. I think that's going right. to be the big cliffhanger as Barry dies. But they will find a way to bring him back by the time the story is over because the show is called The Flash. You really can't have a show called The Flash without The Flash being in it. Right. <laughs> you know? and, I'm, and as much as I love him, I don't see John Wesley Shipp coming and doing that full time. <laughs> right, right. And, and I don't think that they would massively change the cast and go with Wally uh, as, as the no. main character. Even though I like Wally, I think he's a great character. Uh, but he, he, he doesn't fit the, uh, the central character type. If you, know, if you read the comics, Wally West and Barry Allen are two very different individuals. He doesn't mm -hmm. really fit in the world they've created for that show. Barry Allen does. Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, we also said that Supergirl dies. I mean, there, there's a famous cover. I think it was a cover of issue six. And yeah, and they actually play, paid homage to it in Supergirl in one of the episodes that had Superman. Only Supergirl was merely knocked out. She wasn't dead. But that was one of those battles. And... Again, the show is called Supergirl. You can't really have a show called Supergirl without Supergirl. So I think we'll see a version of Kara die. Uh, you know, maybe they'll have Kingdom Come Supergirl. I mean, wouldn't that be pretty amazing if they somehow get Helen Slater to pl play a 50-something <laughs> uh, Supergirl from Kingdom Come? Sure. I mean, she wasn't a, as big a player in the, in the comic book Kingdom Come as Power Girl was. And once again, that's a whole episode for how Power Girl and Supergirl are actually essentially the same, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once again, that's that's a whole other episode, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, yeah, I can see. You know, mm -hmm. I would say that they, like I said, they've already paid homage to it on, on the show. It is without a doubt one of the most iconic comic book covers ever. I mean, it's it's right up there with like the first Spider-Man, Superman, Batman covers. It's mm -hmm. right up there with uh, that great cover where where Matt Murdock is Daredevil's pointing the three fifty seven Magnum. Mm -hmm. The Dark Knight Returns, you know, where he's, you know, the silhouette of Batman, gliding, you know, swinging across the Gotham skyline. Those are all, it's right in that line. It's right in those, you know. Yeah, the Hulk cover with uh, Hulk reflected on Wolverine's like claws. Wolverine's claws. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, if you're a comic book nerd like we are, this is like the stuff that makes us go squeak. You know, these oh, are, yeah. Yeah, these are absolutely. iconic covers. Mm -hmm. Well, another one, another one that looks like it, I just totally forgot, Batman carrying the dead body of Jason Todd. Yes, That's, yeah, Death in the Family. I, I was going to mention that one. Yeah. Or the killing joke with Bat with Joker with the camera, you know. We could go on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so Superman, uh, you know, Tyler Hoechlin, we know we're getting him. We're getting at least three. We're getting Tom Welling and the aforementioned Brandon Routh. I think it's a pretty safe bet that Tyler Hoechlin Superman's going to make it through. I mean, right. there there are rumors of a full-blown Superman series for CW. 
Uh, even if that doesn't happen, though, I, I don't think you're going to kill the main Superman. That's that's part of of this world now. They yeah, especially now he's under yeah. contract to your company, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. Well, you've brought that up. You think Hulkling's going to survive? One, which Superman do you think Tom Welling is? And two, does he survive? That's a good question. I really don't know because he really, you know, they never really explored him as Superman. Of course, there was that infamous uh last act the fi- of the, the final, final finale scene. yeah the right. final scene where he opens his shirt up yeah right it'll be interesting i think there would they would probably upset a lot of people if they did that i do think if they're gonna kill brandon routh they don't need to kill any others even if you are going to end the series like how the comics ended where one earth is created and everybody's on the same earth you kind of really get rid of Tom Welling anyway, because if you're going to keep with Tyler, Tom Welling's going to have to go away because his Earth is gone. I understand. Tom Welling is, you know, he's our age now. He's in his 40s. But I'm speculating, is it possible you think they make Tom Welling Superboy Prime and put him in that? Because, I mean, he essentially never played Superman. He played Superboy, Mm -hmm. you know, on Smallville. Now, granted, like I said, he's aged. That's 20 years ago. He's in his 40s now, you know? So... I've often thought maybe that's how they're going to – you just age up Superboy Prime, make him Superman Prime, and put him in the pocket if they're going to go the route of following the comics. Yeah. Let's say you on that. Yeah, yeah. You blew my mind a little bit with that there, yeah. I mean, because it, 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 it kind of ties in, you know? But you are still sticking by – you think Brandon Routh is the Christopher Reeve Superman, uh, and that, that they're going to make that the Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah, and I think if they're going to kill any of them off, it'll be that one. Because that would be a nice final emotional on-screen goodbye to the Christopher right. Reeve Superman, you know, just the way I, sure. I interpret it. Right, and 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 for what it's worth, I think both of us have stated this before. It's a shame that Superman Returns didn't do as well as as it should have, because I think all the fanboys of Superman wanted to see it succeed. Because I think Brandon Ralph is the only actor that could have pulled off a spiritual successor to Christopher Reeve. And of course, Christopher was still alive when they made that movie; he had not mm-hmm. passed away yet. Right. And I, from my understanding, he gave his full blessing, did he not? Yeah. I think when you get the blessing of the main guy you're replacing, I mean, that's that's about as good of a blessing as you could ask for. And I know that I'm, I'm jaded and biased because of my age. Uh, and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. My girlfriend is a huge Smallville fan. And she's in love with Tom Welling. I get it. He's a very, attra- he's a very pretty man. Oh, I yeah. get it, right? Mm-hmm. And, but even she, because she's our age, says, Superman in her eyes will always be he just mm-hmm. he is Superman. Period. Right. She loves Brandon Ralph. She's not a big fan of Tyler Hecklin, but she thinks that, you know, he's he's not a bad looking guy. I think right. she thinks he's too short. Because he is shorter than Tom Welling and Christopher Reeve and some of these other guys. So even the most diehard fans of other versions of Superman tend to say Christopher Reeve is the definitive Superman. Christopher Reeve was six four, I want to say. No, he's a big man. I'm six one and change, and when I met Brandon Routh, it's like I'm no giant, but I'm taller than most people, and I had to look up to him. So, right, right. Brandon Routh is about six four, six five too. Yeah. If you ask any of the ladies that that I know, he's not hard on the eyes. Okay. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, any other character predictions that you wanted to go through here? I mean, Killer Frost, I know, is in the comics. I don't think she plays that major a role. Just a role as she's a, a DC you know, empowered individual. That's it. Right, right. But traditionally in the comics, Killer Frost has been a villain. I mean, this is right. one of the few times where she's been portrayed as more of an anti-hero, if not flat-out hero. And she is one of those characters that we talked about, the 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 fallout, so to speak, of the crisis in the, in the comic books in the mid-80s, 
was the rise of grittier, more realistic-based heroes and villains and, and the rise of the anti-hero. It's what gave the rise to things like Punisher, Wolverine, uh, the return of Ghost Rider, and, and the Danny Catch variation. Uh, Deadpool got really popular out of this. Those type of characters, right? Mm-hmm. That was also when you started to see more, uh, you know, Killer Catwoman became an anti-hero in that point. It wasn't long after this, Harley Quinn becomes a character, and she wasn't a villain long before she became an anti-hero. So you're getting the, I, I think that's around the time when they did the whole Ronnie Raymond, you know, uh, of care being tied into him so mm-hmm. she could be an anti-hero because she was tied to a superhero in Firestorm, you know, or, you know, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't see any prediction one way. I, I don't think she's going to, she's going to survive because I'm. As far as I know, Danielle Panabank is not leaving the show, is she? Yeah, and I know how popular of a character she is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she loves the role. I mean, I I saw her do a Q and A at C two E two a while back, and you could tell. I mean, uh, she really enjoys playing the roles and playing the different versions of Killer Frost. Right. I I, I think if you can see when she plays the bad, evil villain, straight up villain Killer Frost, she's having the time of her life. Mm-hmm. And if you if you if you follow Danielle's career. Uh, I have because she's been in a lot of horror movies, and we all mm-hmm. know that I'm the horror guy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you she know, she, she was in uh, what was it? Uh, high the 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 thing about the superhero high school. You know, she was yeah, a high schooler in that. Yeah, right. And she was she was in the she was in the the remake of of Nightmare on Elm Street with Jack Girl Haley as Freddy, and uh, you know also <laughs> also starred uh, uh, Kate Cassidy to tie back in the Flareverse. She was in the uh, the the remake of the Crazies with Timothy Oliphant, the you know, George A. Romero movie. It's not a lot of horror, you know, is what I'm saying. She rarely survives these horror movies, but she's also usually a good girl, if that makes any sense. So, right. I, I mean, she just, am I wrong in saying she kind of looks like the girl next door, all American? Oh, I, the, the, I think it's a perfect way to describe her, yeah. She's the brunette, she's the brunette counterpart to the Mel- Melissa Benoist girl next door blonde head, even though right. I believe Melissa's Canadian, but I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, Cisco, I mean, the, the only thing you've really hinted with Cisco is if you look at the poster that went out, they clearly show Cisco vibing. Now, it could be a Cisco from another Earth, because it seems all the other alternate Earth Cisco's, he's like rich and powerful and all, and all that jazz. And, it's, it, you know, and kind of a jackass, too, actually. <laughs> right, yeah. We got the benevolent Cisco. Everybody else got the jerk Cisco. <laughs> right. But any, any, anybody else that you think of as far as predictions, as far as what, what they might do? I don't think you touch any of the legends because by killing off Brandon Routh as Superman, you're not hurting Ray. You know, Constantine, no. Sarah, no. You, you get my point. Now, regarding other Supergirl characters, I mean, Alex, I, I don't think is in the comics. She may have been recently added, but I think she was one of those that was just kind of created for the show. Right. I don't know how big a role she'll play. I mean, she has no powers, but I believe Jean was part of the original comic part of it i don't he was. I don't recall him playing a, a, a big major part but he is of course when they let him be he's one of the more powerful characters you know, on on the shows right as we've said before he essentially is superman with his weakness being fire as opposed to kryptonite that's really what he is in fact he can phrase right. even do that i don't think you're going to see anything major happen to any characters uh with the shows that we know are going to continue on i think if there's going to happen with anything it's going to be the special Characters they're bringing on, like the Burt Wards, the Kevin Conroys, the Tom Wellings, and or people on Arrow, because we know that show's ending. I'm trying to think like a showrunner as opposed to a comic fanboy, you know? It wouldn't surprise me, like you said, Constantine, Spectre, meeting, uh, something to that effect. A little little, Uh, little, little swarmy, you know, (laughs) back and forth interplay, mm because that's Matt Ryan does that so well. (laughs) That's why he's so good at the character. 
pretty much covers everybody I think we've talked about. We've talked about Black yeah, Lightning. Yeah. We've talked about all the legends, all the all the characters on Flash, Arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, I, the only one I haven't heard, and I'm kind of hoping for, is I, I do would like I would like to see Rip again. I, I, I think everybody would mm-hmm. like to see Rip again, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only other things that I could ask for, to the point where I might be a little disappointed if they don't do it, one is when Ken comes from and makes his appearance, they or maybe when he leaves or d- does something dramatic, they play that classic John, John Williams, Williams Superman March theme. Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is Warner Brothers, not Disney. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure, <laughs> right. you know, what was the original studio that did the, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies? I can't remember. Was it Paramount? No. Uh, I, I think it still was Warner Brothers. Yeah. I don't know when Warner Brothers bought DC, but yeah. Oh, they didn't buy DC until after the comic book bubble crash in the early 90s. Oh, okay. That was, uh, you know, it was right before Disney bought Marvel, and Disney bought Marvel back in, what, 2010? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. So, yeah. But, I mean, once again, that's a whole episode, ladies and gentlemen. We we will do at some point the, the comic book crash of the 90s that caused us to have these conglomerates for DC and Marvel now, because it's kind of fascinating, mm-hmm. but boring at the same time, if that makes sense. A lot, a lot of talk about finance and stocks, but it's still relevant. It went all this time, though, uh, before I forget, we should definitely, because there's probably people screaming at their podcast right now that about batman you know obviously we're getting kevin conroy's batman it looks like he's gonna yeah. be the kingdom come batman <laughs> couldn't have picked a better guy the only other guy that probably they could have used is no longer with us and of course that's adam west because they're using burt ward who my hunch is he's probably going to be the 1966 robin who's just grown up in 2020 so he's a, you know a 70 year old dick grace we've talked about this before we're both in agreement they're not going to kill him and they're also not going to make him Nightwing either. He's just going to be Robin. We, right. We're in agreement on that still, right? Right, yeah. It's, it's what makes the most sense. I don't even know if he'll suit up at all. Well, hell, how old's Burt Ward now? He's got to be in his 80s, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, how, 70s at least, be. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's no spring chicken, that's for sure. Of course, you, you've already posted a picture of Kevin Conroy on the website in the armor. It's looking like he's going to be the Kingdom Come Batman. Don't you agree? Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's- According to the wiki, Burt Ward is 74 years old this year. Okay, so yeah, yeah he's no spring chicken. And for those that don't know, uh, the Batman of Kingdom Come, um, without getting into the storyline, it's a, if Ben Affleck is the 40-year-old Batman, circa Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, the Batman in Kingdom Come that Mark Way and Alex Ross created is probably a late 50s, early 60s Batman. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Because he, he basically needs the armor to get around. Right. It's an exoskeleton he's created because in that storyline, Bane has broken his back yet again. <laughs> and mm. he isn't as young and doesn't recover as well. And thus, he has to wear it just to be able to move. And he's completely given up the, the Bruce Wayne side of his persona. Everybody knows he's Batman now. And he has come almost fascist and authoritarian in his protection of Gotham City at that yeah. point. Yeah, there's no crime rate in Gotham because everybody's terrified of Batman and his Batbots, you know? And his Batbots. He just sits in the Batcave and essentially has his... I mean, think think the Terminators from the Terminator franchise, and he's pretty much created those with a Bat motif in there. <laughs> They're patrolling the streets of Gotham. Street-level crime is not going to exist in that world, you know? <laughs> and right. so, yeah, he's pretty hardcore, but in the picture, you can see the exoskeleton. And... Quite frankly, I kind of like that take because if you ever watched or the old, you know, the old Fox for Kids show Batman Beyond or read the comic books and Kevin Conroy played the older grizzled Bruce Wayne that was training Terry McGinnis, I've always seen a comparison to that Bruce Wayne and the Bruce Wayne in Kingdom Come. So I think it makes sense. 
Absolutely, what say you yeah. on that? Yeah, oh, I mean, I know, I know, people have made the the Michael Keaton comparison, but you know, you know, Kevin Conroy was uh, an actor in front of the camera for many years. He just kind of settled in on being Batman. Everybody listens. Knows I'm a huge Batman fan. I think you know the Christian Bale Batman. That's your starting out twenty something Batman. The Michael Keaton is the established thirty year old something Batman. Ben Affleck is your forty year old, you know, uh, grizzled, getting ready to retire Batman. And I think we're finally going to see our 50, 60 something year old Batman now as Kevin Conroy. That's just my, my way of looking at it as a Batman fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, are there any other characters announced that you caught your eye or do you, that you want to make any predictions for? Cause I think I've made it to the end of my list. We do know that, but Chris Williams, black lightning in this, has there been, has there been any, uh, stay on whether his daughters are going to be in this as well? I have not seen it. There's one trailer, one official trailer out there that's probably 30 or 40 seconds. And you clearly see Barry trying to recruit him. And obviously, they established in Black Lightning show that it's really a more down-to-earth type show where he's one of the few that has power. So to put him in this cosmic-sized story, I think, is going to be really interesting from a character standpoint. Right. And, but I think he survives because once again, that's that's a hit show. You're not going to kill him off. Yeah, um, and he's too likable of a character and uh, a, a, a hero. Quite frankly, I mean, he knocks that Cre- role out of the park. Cre- Cress Williams, not, I, I told, I think I've brought it up before. Well, part of the reason I got the DC online was because they were going to continue the old Young Justice animated show, and it's just strange that they have Kari Payton voicing Black Lightning in that because I've gotten so used to Cress Williams playing it. <laughs> And it's like, Kari Payton's the voice of Cyborg. Come on, man. <laughs> That's King Ezekiel on The Walking Dead. That is not Black Lightning. And in the animated movie universe, because over the past couple of years, DC's done their animated movies as a coherent universe with most yep. of the same actors. Cress Williams is stealing that, I believe. He sure is. John Henry Irons, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Which, for what it's worth, any other DC character I could pick for Cress Williams to play as an actor live action, the other would be John Henry Irons. <laughs> Those are He's too old to play Cyborg. Oh, you so you don't want to see Shaq again? No, love Shaq, just not as active. You you keep commenting on on the NBA and, and make me them good Papa John's pizzas, and we'll be all right, bro. <laughs> but stay away from the camera. <laughs> all right, so that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Obviously, we're going to do at least one review episode. I think we'll probably at least have one before the end of the year. We'll we'll probably at least review the what happens up to the half season finale. So if you folks liked what you heard here, we are Geekville radio. We're available wherever fine podcasts can be found. Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, uh, tune in Spotify, uh, you name it. We have the social media uh, at Geekville on Twitter and on Facebook. And you can actually post on the geekvilleradio.com website itself. All of our shows have, a comment section. As long as you have an existing account of some kind, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you should be able to comment on that without signing up for anything else. So, uh, Train, if anybody wants to talk to you about Crisis or Christmas songs or anything like that, uh, where can they find you? I am always available on uh, uh, Twitter at crazytrain underscore JB. I'm also available on Spotify at crazytrain underscore JB. Uh, I do have a Christmas playlist, uh, but I'm still working on it, so we're not going to post it yet, but by the next time you hear us, I'll have I'll have a URL for for Seth to <laughs> post. Y'all get 
in the movie. I do know I have one that I've started on, and it's things like I Am Santa Claus, the, you know, the parody of... Oh, the Bob uh, Rivers, I, yeah. I, yes, of Iron Man, and uh, Count All You Faithful by Twisted Sister, which has the lyrics to the traditional hymn, but is played to the tune of We're Not Gonna Take It, which strangely does work. Don't ask me how. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they're in the same key. They have the same time signature, so I, I get it, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. That, that's you're kind of looking at that kind of, but anyway, I'll have it. I'll have it ready next time we drop another episode. And ever since I started putting Geek of Radio on Spotify, I've been getting into Spotify. So I'll probably have my own Christmas list out there uh, before too long as well. Uh, are you going to have Grandma run, got run over by a reindeer on your playlist as well, just like me? Uh, <laughs> probably. It's almost kind of a no collection is complete, but I will if it's available. Another Bob Rivers Christmas party that I like is called uh, Holidays with Days spelled D-A-Z-E. And right. it's a parody of Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and not only does the guy singing do a good Jimi Hendrix impression, it's a good Jimi Hendrix guitar impression, too. And I'm talking about Purple Reindeer, you know. <laughs> Which is not easy, because uh, in my opinion, he's the greatest rock and roll guitarist of all time, but I digress. <laughs> all right, with that said, we are going to shut down the power here in the Geekville Radio Studios, and we'll talk to you again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. Hey, Rocky, Marvel's going to do another reboot. Again?